Welcome and greetings to our midweek Bible study. It's with great joy to welcome our online congregation and the folks that are here with us tonight. No matter what the circumstance in your life is right now, good or bad or indifferent, praising God is a priority. Just how necessary is it to praise God? In Luke 19, verses 39 through 40, describes Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem a week before he was crucified. Jesus was riding on a colt's donkey, and his followers were saying, Bless the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace and glory in the highest heaven. But the Pharisees among the crowd said, Teacher, rebuke the followers for saying things like that. Jesus replied, If they kept quiet, the stones along the road would burst out in cheers. Jesus was referencing the impossible would happen than for the king of kings to enter into his capital without honor. Jesus is also indicating that the people's praises should be encouraged, not suppressed. In Matthew, 20, in Matthew uh, 21, verses 1 through 16, it describes an energetic scene of praise and adoration. Jesus riding on a donkey's colt, surrounded by the people, waving palm branches to honor him. He is more than a teacher or a healer. He is the one that the prophet Zechariah had foretold would come as their king, riding on a donkey. Hosanna. Praise describes our expression, our joy of thanksgiving to God for what he has done. Adoration describes our feeling of awe towards God for who he is. Some of us praise him by singing joyful noises. Some praise God with eloquent words. Some are speeches before God's goodness. Whatever way we praise God, his goodness is our gratefulness. We're a joint in communion as we praise God. Let's praise God for his presence is so near and so real. If you could please stand with me before we go to the Lord. Is there anyone in the house that needs healing, spiritual healing, or financial blessing? Please raise your hand. Let's touch and agree. Let's pray to God before there are our pastor comes up and delivers the word to us. Almighty God, you're the Lord of Lords, King of Kings. You're our Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus. Your wisdom and your power is infinite, Lord Jesus. We need you, Father. We need you, Lord Jesus, to make us like you, Father, Lord Jesus. Please forgive us, Lord Jesus, of our trespasses, Lord Jesus, as we give those who trespass against us, Father. We come to you, Father, humbly, Lord Jesus, with a humble heart, Lord Jesus. Our minds are open, Lord Jesus. Our hearts are open. We come to hear your word, Lord Jesus. You're the God who answers prayers, Lord Jesus. As we cry out in your name, Father, Lord Jesus. We ask you, Father, for your presence here, Lord Jesus. We ask you, Jesus. To, to, bring, to bring us together, Lord Jesus. We ask for one unity, one heart, Lord Jesus. We pray for the man of God and his family, Lord Jesus. 
We pray for the man of God to lead us, Lord Jesus. Give him strength every day, Lord Jesus. Give him the endurance to keep on doing what he's doing, Lord Jesus. We pray for his family and his children, Father. In the name of Jesus, amen. i 
Jesus. So good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Thank you, praise singers. That was all right with me. Amen. God is good. Amen. So good to see all of you in the house of the Lord. Amen. I feel like I'm on a good, I'm on an assignment tonight. And um, I'm going to give you what I believe the assignment is. So if you will hold tight, make sure you're ready to take notes. And I'll even have some questions. I'll even answer some questions for you if we have time. I want to thank everyone that prayed for my wife and our family. Uh, We rushed over to Canada Sunday after service. And uh, we got to Canada probably about 10.30. It got, was that late? Why did I feel like it was 10.30? I was running behind. Midnight Sunday, I guess. Okay. Had a little bit of traffic. Um, But we got there midnight, but we just got there and joined in with the group that was there. And so we spent some time there and didn't go to bed till late and then jumped back up early that morning for the viewing and the funeral. And we didn't get back to the house maybe till about 6 o'clock that evening. Hung out. I snuck off and went to sleep. Got back up early that morning and headed back to New Jersey. So we've been rocking and rolling. I was telling somebody, I said, vacation is vacation. I take vacation because most of the times when I'm not here, I'm not vacationing. <laughs> I'm not here, I'm still working. And so you got to take vacation so you can get some rest and rest your brain. So I look forward to some R&R soon. Amen. But it's good to be in the house of the Lord. It's good to see all of you. Amen. It's crazy. I know I haven't gone. Some of you didn't miss me because you never saw me. You usually don't see me from Sunday till Wednesday. But when you go into a whole new country and visit some people with different lifestyles, you feel like you were someplace. (laughs) And so you're like, oh, I was away, wasn't I? But uh, we're back and... um, it's good to be in the house of the Lord. Um, can I tell you this? I'll start by saying this before I start uh, with our Bible study lesson tonight. Churches in general, a lot of people, a lot of people that are a part of a church enjoy the part of the church that's community oriented more than anything else. You probably don't or didn't think about that. But what happens a lot of times is people like to be a part of a church because they feel like I have a community that I belong to. And so that is always encouraging for people to be a part of a church. Um, But I want to talk to you tonight that I can take you beyond the community part of the church. It's tough. The job that I have is tough because... um, I don't want to um, get you to, you know, get uncomfortable. Maybe I do want you to become uncomfortable. But to the point where you start to feel like, well, this is not serving my purpose because I like community. And the word of God now is telling me it's more than community. But church is not just community. It is more than community. 
And there's a whole lot more to being a part of God's church than just to come in and see the people you love and care about and the people that, you know, share um, same values as you. That's great. But church is more than that. And I believe that um, we focus, even whether we're really intentionally doing it, we focus on that part of the church more than we focus on the part that's going to help us be the Christians God called us to be. And so I hope the lesson that I will teach tonight and next Wednesday will help us to realize I appreciate community. I appreciate the family of God. I appreciate that people share the same values like me. I appreciate the interaction. My children have other children and so on and so on. And we need to appreciate those things. But we have to be sure that it's more than just that. And that's what we will talk about a little bit tonight so we can understand who we really are. We can understand some foundational things about the kingdom of God. Uh, you heard me mention um, a few times, leadership knows this, and you've heard me mention that um, when I first got saved, we were probably assembling ourselves together in the church house um, four to five times a week. And, and you can see the results of spending that much time in the house of God, uh, how you grew and the things you learned, um, you know, what, what you uh, experienced in God, and it was really great and wonderful. And you grew. And we have cut church service down for many people. It's one day a week. And that, that is, I don't know how to um, handle that. Um, just recently, more than ever before, I start thinking about that and start wondering, um, how is that going to help us? One day a week in church, and we can't deceive ourselves and say, well, when I'm not in church, I'm always witnessing, I'm teaching Bible studies, I'm having family devotions with my family, I'm doing this and I'm doing that that are spiritual. We've got to be honest, we're probably not doing those things either. So the one day a week is the only time we're really effectively experiencing spiritual things. And so I wonder how that's going to work for many of us um, as we move forward. And so I pray that we can get more people to, to, to desire and push harder for more time with God, being in church and doing the things of God, because it's very important that we have more than just one day that we come together and try to learn about God and experience um, spiritual growth and challenges. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you for this opportunity. We thank you for what you have called us to. And Lord, while we're not where we need to be, we're here tonight to say, God, we want to go where you're taking us. We want to grow, almighty God, to the, po the potential that you've called us to. And we want to know you in a more intimate way. Father, we pray that tonight you will speak to every heart that is gathered here, that we will be receptive to the word of God and not be dismissive and not, Lord God, 
neglect to hear what your word is saying to us, what your spirit is saying unto us. But, Lord, we will receive your word with gladness. We will receive your word, Lord God, and take it, oh God, and apply it in our life that we can grow in a way that will help us, Lord, to be instruments and vessels that you can work through, that we can be the Christian man Christian woman, Christian young person that you've called us to be. Father, let tonight's lesson propel us, Lord God, and take us, Lord God, further than where we are right now. Let tonight's lesson take us deeper than where we are now. Let tonight's lesson, Lord, help us, Lord God, to be the kind of Christian man and woman and young person we ought to be. Lord, will you use me? Will you anoint me and allow me to speak as your oracle, rightly dividing your word of truth? Help us tonight, Lord. We pray and ask you all these things in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. Let everybody say amen. Thank you. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. All right. I've entitled our next two Bible study lessons tonight and next Wednesday night. I've entitled it, We Are Apostolic Pentecostals. We Are Apostolic Pentecostals. Many people, including Christian believers, that are following the Christian faith, many lack the knowledge of the truth as to how the church started, which denomination should they follow, what should be the day-to-day lifestyle of a Christian, and what should be their true identity as a Christian. Many of us, were attending church services, and we're hearing the Word of God, but hearing and not knowing and understanding really don't have the same impact as hearing, knowing, and understanding the Word of God. We have frustrated ourselves. We have, we have come short of experiencing what God has for us because we have not fully come to the knowledge of what this is all about. How did this get started? How do I need to pursue this? Why, why should I do this? Why shouldn't I do this? As, as you have heard me said before, some people today as Christians, they think that some, pe- some things that they should be doing or shouldn't be doing is what we call standards. And standards and doctrine, they are different things. Standards are, are, are some things that man have decided that's good for the church, that's good for the people to go by that will protect them a certain way or from falling into sin. So pastors, God give pastors the lead way to make standards. For instance, a standard would be that if 
a young man and a young woman is dating, the pastor would prefer that when they go on a date, they would have a chaperone. Now, that's a standard. You can't find that kind of teaching in the Bible. That's a standard. You can find the teaching in the Bible that a man should not touch a woman if he's not married to her. You can find, but you can't find anything that says don't, don't, don't go on a date without having a chaperone. That's not in the Bible. But most pastors would teach that. Why? He's trying to protect both the young people from falling into sin. That is a standard. But then there are some things in the Bible that are doctrine, that, that the Bible says you must do this or you must not. It's a doctrine. So you, you, you don't neglect doctrine or try to make doctrine standards. Doctrine is not standards, and standards are not doctrine. Okay? When the Bible says be ye holy, that's not a standard. That's doctrine. And we have gotten to the place where we see folks that are Christians that are starting to think that doctrine is standard so it doesn't matter whether I do it or I don't do it because it's just something that the pastor decided to put in the church. Now, I will say this. Even standards is important that you obey in the church because if the leader of the church is saying it, it means that he is seeing something that possibly could become a problem later down the line. So God gives him insight to say, hey, maybe we need to start doing this because we want to protect against anything that will come down the line that will affect us and, and hurt us spiritually or sinfully. So standards are important, but standards are not doctrine. Tonight I'm teaching you doctrine. And so, I want to tell you that there are so many Christians who have drawn back from instructions they were given and was following because they never fully understood the instructions they were given. So there are Christians today that they used to do certain things. And they're no longer doing it today. It could be for many of reasons why they're not doing it. But one of the reasons is when it was taught, they really never understood it fully, but they did it anyhow. And so they went on in their Christian life for years and years just kind of doing it. And the first time they was questioned about it, they couldn't answer the question. And because they couldn't answer the question, and the person asking them the question is not doing it, they figure, oh, I might as well don't do that anymore. But all it was was that person either wasn't paying attention when that, that particular subject were being taught in church, or it wasn't taught, and they just did it. Some never received any instructions. They just conformed to what everyone else was doing around them. <laughs> the other day when I was in Canada, one of my cousins, or my wife's cousins, said to me, 
What do you think about alcohol and drinking? Everything, everything I look around in the scripture about um, drinking, you know, um, I, don't, I don't know if I can prove that it's talking about unfermented um, um, drinks. So what do you think? And I said, I can get into a dissertation and explanation and biblical, you know, show, biblically show you why you shouldn't drink alcohol. But can I say this real quick? He says, what's that? I said, why do our world says you shouldn't drink alcohol till you get to a certain age? I'm tired of going back and forth with people about things that's right. And so I said to the guy, I said, so why do you think there's a law that you shouldn't drink alcohol till you're 21? Oh, yeah, you're right. Didn't think about that. I said, so if the world who are not godly is telling you not to drink this at 21, isn't it safe to say we just shouldn't drink it at all? <laughs> Some of y'all quiet. Maybe y'all sipping a little bit. It's okay. The good news is I'm preaching to you, and you know what the Word of God says, and we'll get it straightened out. Don't worry. We're going to get this straightened out. Amen. So, let's go. There is only one church that Jesus Christ birthed and is building. You hear me? There's only one church. That Jesus Christ birthed and is building one church. You probably heard that before. But here are some scriptures that support what I'm telling you because I want you to understand there's only one church. I'm going somewhere, but I have to start at a place where you are informed where you are able to be clear about the scripture so you know how you are moving and how you will fulfill your purpose in Christ. There's only one church that Jesus Christ birthed and is building. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, the scripture says, And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. It said, my church. Jesus is speaking. He said, my church. That's clear. My church. So there's not no other church, or if there's any other church, it's not Jesus' church. I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, and I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. I will build my church. You know what's interesting? We're trying to do things our way, and we don't check with the one who says, my church. Ephesians 5 and 25 says, Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Watch this. Look how many times now he referenced the church. That he might sanctify and cleanse it. Talking about a church. With the washing of water by the word. That he might present 
it, talking about the church, to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. The one who says, I will build my church, is giving us instruction about what he requires in his church. Colossians 1 and 18 says, and he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have preeminence. 1 Corinthians 12 and 13. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. But I like verse 13. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body. It's talking about the church. One church. Jesus Christ built the church, is building the church, birthed the church. There's only one church. If there's any other church, it's not of Christ. There is one church that he established. There's one church that he is building. There's one church that he died for. There is no other church that matters other than the one Jesus established. One church. Tell your neighbor, one church. There is only one church that Jesus Christ's birth died for, is building, and coming back for. His church, watch this, watch this. His church is not a denomination, neither is it a non-denomination. It is simply the church. Denomination. What denomination are you? Well, we're non-denominal. No such thing. The church is what he established. It was man's idea to come up with denominations and titles of churches, not God's. God never gave us a title of a church. He never told us about a denomination. We got into that. I'm not telling you that churches that, that claim to have a denomination or claim to be non-denominational or claim to be a church of this name or that name, I'm not telling you they're not a part of the true church. I'm just telling you that's man's doing, not God. When you read the epistles, the book and the book of Revelation you will see how some of the letters are addressed concerning the church. Watch it. To the church in Rome. To the church at Corinth. To the church at Ephesus. To the church at Smyrna. To the church at Pergamos. To the church in Philadelphia. There were no denominations or titles of churches. What we see in scripture is 
churches were addressed according to the city it was located in, for example, Rome, Philadelphia, or what the people are called according to the name of the city they were living in. So when you say the church at the, 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 the church in Rome, they're called the Roman church because they were located in Rome. Because in scripture, there's one church. So I don't need to clarify anything. I'm dealing with the church in Rome. I'm dealing with the church in Philadelphia. I'm dealing with the church in Ephesus. No need to clarify. Today, we got to do a whole lot of clarifying because we have distorted what God started out as simple. Mm-hmm. 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 It was understood there is only one church, so there was no need to give it a denominal or non-denominal name or title. There is only one church which has many locations throughout the world, which means, watch it, our foundation and doctrine and teaching cannot be different if there's only one church. So if I go to church in Rome, it should be the same as the church in Hamilton. If I go to the church in Asia, it should still be the same as the church in Jerusalem. If I go to the church in Africa, it better be the same as the one in, 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 in the Philippines. We need to understand there's one church and the foundation should be, always be the same. And the doctrine should always be the same. One church. Uh Uh-huh. Let me say this. Culture can be different because we have many different culture groups in our world. But foundation and doctrine cannot be different. So you might go to India and you might see a little bit difference in culture. But if they're the same church that started in Acts, then the bottom line is they should be preaching and teaching the very same thing we're preaching and teaching here in New Jersey. Culture is different, but the doctrine is still the same. Hmm. Listen to me. The foundation is all about who is the foundation of the church? Jesus Christ. Doctrine is the apostles' doctrine, and of course, we acknowledge and ascribe to the instructions of the prophets. So check this out. Let's go. Acts chapter 2, verse number 4. I'm getting ready to provide you with the clarity, proof, and reasons for the Christian church. So we can all know if we're a part of the church or not. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, this is Acts chapter 2 verse number 1. They were all with one accord in one place and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Acts chapter 2, verse number 36. 
Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God had made that same Jesus whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as our Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly receive his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them 3,000 souls, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. Okay, I think we knew those scriptures. All of what we just read marks the beginning of the church. All of what we just read in Acts, it marks the beginning, the birth of the church. Hence, our blueprint to follow as the church today. What we just read in Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, and then Acts chapter 2, verse 36 through 42, that's the birth of the church. Pentecost was the birth of the church. And so when we read those scriptures, they are showing us the blueprint of the church. And so the bottom line now is we have to say, are we following that blueprint? Because that's how the church began. You didn't hear nothing about no denominal or non-denominal or anything like that. Watch this. The church has not changed since its inception. Jesus Christ established the church. He is the head of the church. He doesn't change, therefore the church will not change. People will change, society may change, technology will change, but the church will never change because its head and builder doesn't change. So to begin to think, okay, that was way back then, but today is different. What you think, God didn't know what today would be? And so he created a church just for back then? You might as well don't even follow him. If that's what you think about God, that he is that careless and he is that not all-knowing that he established a church over 2,000 years ago that today is irrelevant, you might as well leave this alone. Might as well because there's no way. So the church that began in the book of Acts must be the same church we are a part of today. The church that began in the book of Acts must be the same church we are a part of today. And if our church that we are in does not resemble and does not practice the things that the book of Acts church did, then we're not in the right church. We have branched off and started doing something else that is not the church that Christ died for. What happened on the day of Pentecost? 
Because since the day of Pentecost was the birth of the church, what happened? So the church was birthed on the day of Pentecost. What happened on the day of Pentecost? For the first time, the people of God were infilled with his spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the spirit gives utterance. So before Pentecost, nobody had ever received the infilling of the Holy Ghost. They did not speak with other tongues as the spirit gave utterance before the day of Pentecost. But when the church was established on the day of Pentecost, we see one of the requirements for the church was that you be filled with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking with other tongues. That's the Bible. Yeah, I don't speak with tongues, but I think I got the Holy Ghost. That doesn't say that in the Bible. It's not, that's not in the Bible. What else happened on the day of Pentecost? Christ used the disciples who became apostles to start building his church by the teachings they received from him when they walked with him for three and a half years, except Paul, of course. But once the infilling of the Holy Ghost took place, the disciples who became apostles went to now do the building that they were being instructed to do by the head of the church. Peter preached on the day of Pentecost that there is one God. You, don't, you didn't see it in the scripture, but I'll show it to you in a second. One God, and his name is Jesus. That Jesus is both Lord, meaning God, and Christ, meaning Messiah, the anointed man. So watch this. Messiah. The one anointed and empowered to deliver his people and establish his kingdom. Messiah refers to Jesus' role as the spiritual deliverer, setting his people free from sin and death. Peter preached how to come into right relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. By repentance, baptism in the name of Jesus Christ, and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. He preached to them how to continue in Christian formation. So let me go back to something that you didn't pick up on. In Acts chapter 2, verse 36, the scripture says, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly, that God had made that same Jesus, who? Jesus, whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. If you go and study your Bible, it says Lord and Christ. Lord means God Almighty. Christ means the anointed one, the Messiah. So the Jesus that they crucified, the scripture says he is God and man. And you're crucified God-man. And so now they realized they had issues because we crucified God who had come to rescue us from our sins and save us. And we crucified God because he came as a man as opposed to some other thing we wanted him to come as. So that's where you find the scripture telling us in Acts that God is both God and man. In Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47, 
it talks, uh, 42 through 47, it says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things common, and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they continued daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat eat their meat with singleness and with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. So that's another thing that we um, probably not doing well at. Why was the Lord adding to that church daily? And we're not seeing the Lord adding to this church daily. Maybe we're not doing some things right. That's why. Maybe we're not doing some things right. All right, I'm getting ready to get into some good stuff right here. Who of us has seen Jesus Christ in the flesh? Who has seen Jesus Christ in the flesh that you know? Think about it. None of us has ever met the Lord Jesus Christ in the flesh. We were not in the church he pastored. So what would we base our Christianity on? How can we know we're doing what the Lord Jesus has said? What he has instructed us to do? You know how? This is why it's essential. Some of you didn't understand this, so you did not explain it. How? Do we know what to do as Christians? You say, well, we read the Bible. Okay. But where do you find it in the Bible to know what's legit concerning what we're supposed to do as Christians? (laughs) Since we never met Jesus Christ in the flesh. How do we plan? How can we explain? You, you run up on somebody that's trying to get you to not live this life, they're going to ask you that question. You never met Christ. How are you following someone you never met? Uh-huh. I'm telling you, that's why a lot of people had backed away, you know. And, and I got to tell you this. I realize this, that I take a lot of foundational things for granted. And I got to hit myself upside the head and say, dude, everybody might not know what you know. Talk about basic stuff sometimes. Go through basic stuff. Some of y'all are Bible scholars, and you might sit there and say, come on, Pastor, I need something more than this. I hear you, but a lot of people don't know this. So you might be in the minority saying, give me some deeper stuff than this, but a lot of people don't know what I'm talking about tonight. So let me talk to the majority if you got it all together. So what better way is there to learn and know about Jesus Christ and his church than reading And obeying what the apostles taught. When I first came to the church and I heard the the explanation, we follow the apostles' doctrine, I was uncomfortable. Why we follow the apostles' doctrine? Who are they? You know who are they? They're the only ones that walked with Jesus. 
Who else is going to tell you we walked with Jesus, we slept with Jesus, we ate with Jesus, we were in the boat with Jesus, they did everything with Jesus. Who better qualified to teach us about Jesus than the apostles? Well, Jesus is better. Well, guess what? Jesus had left. So he wasn't there to tell everybody about his teaching. So when he left... Who were left here qualified to tell us what Jesus was telling them? So don't become uncomfortable anymore to say we follow the teachings of the apostles. If you go back to the scriptures, it says, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Now you know why that's important, because there was nobody more qualified to teach you how to live for Christ and what he wanted than the apostles. They were the only ones that walked with him. He was not around to explain to everybody everything. He left that stuff with the apostles and says, now that I'm out of here, you have to handle this. You have to get the word out to the people. You have to preach to them. You have to tell them what I taught you. And that's how they're going to know me. That's how they're going to be saved. That's how they're going to know what is required of them by what you teach them from what you had learned from me. Who else can you find that can do that? So now you understand why we are apostolic Pentecostals. We're apostolic because we follow the teachings of the only people who could teach us what Jesus was saying. And you can stand on that one because I'm getting ready to show you something else that will you know, make that even a little bit stronger. So when you happen to talk to anybody and we're Pentecostals because we had the Pentecostal experience. That's why we're apostolic Pentecostals, because we follow the apostles' doctrine and we had the Pentecostal experience. Okay, let's get, get in this some more. Matthew 28, 20. Here's some good stuff. We overlook this because we're worrying about some other things that's written in there. But how about this part? Matthew 28, 20. Jesus speaking. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Y'all didn't catch it yet. Jesus was sending the apostles out to go make disciples. And Jesus said to them, to the apostles, not to regular people, to the apostles, go and teach them everything. Let them observe everything that I taught you. Go teach it to them. Who else did Jesus said that to? Who else going to show themselves and say, we ain't going to believe that because we only want to obey what Jesus says. Okay, well, Jesus just said it. Can I read that again? Jesus said in red letters, because they like to talk about red letters. Red letters, Jesus said, teaching them. Talking about everybody you go and preach to. Teaching them to observe all things. All things. Not some things. All things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. You don't want to believe the apostles? You don't want to feel, you know, cool and confident that 
I'm following the apostles' doctrine, and I'm right on schedule, and I'm doing the right thing. Because there's a lot of people walking around saying, y'all apostolics, y'all follow the apostles' doctrine. We follow Jesus. Okay. You go ahead and follow Jesus, and we'll follow the apostles' doctrine. Because there's no difference. You want to make it a difference because you don't know your Bible. But if you knew your Bible, you will realize there are no difference. And you ready for this? There are more writings from the apostles than there is from Jesus. All of the epistles are written by men of God. Right? And even in the Gospels, Jesus said some things, but guess what? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they wrote some, thing, some things in there too. So what's the difference? You following Jesus or me following the apostles' doctrine? So the bottom line is, when Jesus left, he left instructions. Because you realize this is the end of the chapter. He says, teaching them, go teach them. To observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even until the end of the earth. So we are apostolic Pentecostals because we had the Pentecostal experience, which is the infilling of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking with other tongues, which is we were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ by immersion in water with the name of Jesus Christ being invoked over us, and we are following the teachings of the apostles, which are the teachings of Jesus Christ, who instructed the apostles. You and me, if we're going to be a part of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, then guess what? We have to be apostolics and Pentecostals. Apostolic Pentecostals. That's what we're supposed to be. Everything else is not biblical. You think about some of the denominal names that, that, that has been given or some people are out there saying, and the question you want to ask is, well, where did that come from? Right? Just think about some of the stuff that people have named their, 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 you know, their movement. And the question is, okay, how did you come up with that? And what's behind that? What's the meaning of that? And they can't give you any good explanation because it's not in the book. There's no good explanation for any denominal. This is why a couple of smart people caught on and said, we're non-denominal. Did you notice that came on later on down the line? It didn't start right away because, you know, you had your Presbyterians, your, your, your Protestants, your Baptists, your Methodists, your Lutheran, your, all of this stuff, and, and Catholic and all that stuff. And everybody had all that stuff. And then some smart pastor decided, well, that's not really in the Bible, and that's not saying really much. So let me say I'm non-denominal. But that's also not in the Bible. So as as much as... Those smart pastors was trying to move away from that, that denominal stigma. They still created another denominal, non-denominal. Because when you're not going by truth, when you're not going by the word of God, you will become confused and consumed with confusion at some point in time. Jesus made this thing simple, but we want it to be something else. So we confuse ourselves because we want it to be something else. 
But Jesus made it simple for us. And if we want to keep it simple, all we got to do is just follow what Jesus says. For us to be a part of his church, we must have the Pentecostal experience and we must follow the teachings of the apostles' doctrine. Anybody have any questions about what I'm saying? I don't know if I, Brother Scar, I got any mic or anything to run to anybody, but I would take a couple of questions because this is significant. A lot of people have moved away from this apostolic faith because they can't explain it. And so when they get questioned about, what about this, and why do, why do you do this, and why do you think this is necessary, and you think somebody's not saved if they are not doing this, I don't have nothing to do with that. All you got to answer that says, I'm just following the blueprint of the first church. The church that was established over 2,000 years ago, all we're supposed to do is follow that blueprint. Let's not make it complicated. So whenever any of us is trying to explain anything about how we're living, it's supposed to just be, I'm following the blueprint that was given when Christ birthed his church. So when he birthed his church, blueprint. And so now all we do is read the book of Acts and see the blueprint for when the church was started. And then we can go into the epistles and learn some more about how to continue in the ways of the church. Brother, go ahead. You have a question. Yes, sir. Um, uh, I think the biggest controversy, well, it's not controversial to us, but persons who are not uh, fully, um, in terms of revelation-wise, they, they complicate the baptism. And I think that's the, very much the, the delicate subject, which for some, for example, I've heard persons, they are trying to be distinct, separate from the truth. They will say, well, we now baptize you in Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and in Jesus' name. So they're kind of creating this conundrum, making people confused. It's so not a conundrum. For, for them, for the, or people who are, who are the, desert, who are the uh, candidate, mm. to think that, well, I can choose what I want to be named or baptized in. So. Yeah, that's not a conundrum. All I, all I, all I, if you didn't get everything that I said tonight, go back to the book of Acts. And start reading from chapter 2 all the way through. Because that's the birth of the church. We're not supposed to be in 2023 talking about, well, well what? Nothing changed. God don't change. Nothing changed. So what, how the church was birthed and what was commanded is still what's required today because God don't change. So let's not make it complicated and let people talk us out of our salvation and talk us into doing things that is not according to the Bible. Any other questions? Maybe I guess you all really understand. I, I feel strongly about what I'm telling you about tonight. Because it's very important that we understand too many people, and I want, I, wanted to, I want you to get this so good that you, will, you don't condemn nobody, you don't make nobody feel less than, but you know why you're doing what you're doing. You know why you're living the way you're living, and you don't need me or nobody to tell you anything because you're doing what the Bible says, not what the pastor says, but what the scripture says. Hopefully the pastor is preaching the scripture, but know what the scripture says. 
We are apostolic Pentecostal. If you have not had those two experiences in your life, you need them in order to be on the right track as a Christian. We, 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 have, we have allowed too many things to start becoming not important. All of these things need to be important. And, and I feel bad that the Lord laid all this stuff out. And if you know anything about God, you realize he doesn't do like us. We know how to waste a little bit of time. We know how to speak things that's irrelevant. We know how to say things that's meaningless. We know how to just do stuff that wastes time. But the bottom line is, Jesus is not like that. He's God Almighty. The Bible says he's all-knowing. So you best believe everything he speaks is relevant. There's nothing that the Lord said that is irrelevant. So we need to hold on to everything that he says so we know, because we know everything that he says is legit. Question, sister. My question is... um Maybe you go to a church for baptism, and because, I don't know, maybe you're not in the right place, and pastor, they believe differently, and you said you want to baptize in Jesus' name. How is that work when the pastor is not baptizing in that name, but because you tell him this is the way you want to baptize? This is why I'm teaching this tonight. So you show somebody this, somebody you're affiliated with that don't go to the same church you go to, you need to open this up and say, listen, here's the blueprint of the church. If you want to be a part of Christ's church, you need to have an apostolic experience and you, you, you need to have a Pentecostal experience and you need to follow the apostles' doctrine. This is all in the book of Acts. So if you go someplace and they're practicing something differently than what this says, then if you do what they're telling you, you're going down the wrong path. And, you know, unfortunately, we don't realize that and we don't accept or don't want to accept, but I'll get to that in a second, that all of us as humans, we're flawed. We make mistakes. And we don't know everything. Unfortunately, when we have this position as pastor, we think that we can't not ever say we don't know. As opposed to just saying, I don't know that. I can get back to you on that, but I don't know that. So we come up with erroneous explanation because we want people to think that we are know-it-alls. Nobody is know-it-all is a know-it-all. Jesus is the only know-it-all. So if we don't know, we just need to say, I don't know. But we make them stuff and tell people and they go sideways and it's so hard to get people back on the right track because we didn't know, but we want to tell them something that's not true. I feel bad that there's a lot of people out there preaching stuff and saying stuff and people are following them. This is why I started off earlier by telling you that church is beautiful in so many ways. One of the ways it's beautiful, it's a great community. We come together with people with like precious faith and have good, the same values. And we like to be around each other because we all kind of connect in some way with somebody. And we love being around each other. We love the, the worship and the praise. But we still, many of us, don't know the doctrine like we need to. 
And so we stay in a church because we like the people. We stay in a church because, you know, every once in a while we feel a move of the Spirit. We stay in a church because every once in a while the preacher says something that I like and identify with. But we never decide we have to make a move because they're not practicing, they're not teaching what the Bible says I'm supposed to be as a Christian. And we don't make the move. Go ahead. So... um so, like you're saying, we're talking about the church and the origin of the church. Um, so, those, just like we're saying about, if you don't have the apostle doctrine, the blueprint, and they have great buildings, right? Um, they have teaching, but they don't have the right formula, then it would not be considered a church, right? Not the true church, no. But everybody, everybody is, you know, what we, what we have gotten to that we're not realizing is we're calling everything that have this resemblance a church. But the bottom line is there's only one church. And so we have to pray for wisdom because the truth of the matter is I can go up to any person that's, that's, that's leading a church. I would not do this. I would not do this. We'll go to any person that's leading a church that we know aren't following this and say, tell me how you are a church that Christ established. Tell me how. Tell me how. Because I don't see anything in the Bible that's telling me that what you're doing is legit. Now, most people are going to tell you, well, we follow Jesus Christ. That's cool. Because most Christian believers, they will follow Christ, and there's something that they're going to follow that's legit. But there's a whole lot more to that. You want to be a part of the church. There are, the thing that we have to be careful about, we will follow anybody if we get something out of the deal. It don't mean they're right. It don't mean they're legit. It don't mean any of that. It just means they have something that I like or something I want, so I'm going to follow them. So telling me you follow Christ, the, the, the scripture talked about there were some that followed him for the miracles. The Bible says that. Some followed him for the miracles, signs and wonders. And then when he started to teach them about communion and the hard things about God, you know, they started saying, well, I don't know about all that. The Bible says they draw back because, because it's not all going to be better roses all the time. It's not always going to be God blessed me all the time and God made a way when there was no way and God opened door when there was no door to be opened and God provided when there was no way for provision. It's not always going to be like that. There will be and there are some teachings that are hard. And we have to follow those two. We have to follow those two. But my goal here tonight and next Wednesday is to teach you the legitimacy of how you become a part of the church and stay in the church. That's all I'm trying to get across to you. How do you become a part of the church and stay in the church? You have to have the apostolic Pentecostal experience. Everything else doesn't make you a part of his church, his body. And there's a scripture that tells us that he's coming back for a church. Remember, I like to tell people, God ain't coming back for you. We, like, we love to say, he's coming back for me. No, he's not coming back for you. He's coming back for his church because that's his bride he's going to marry. 
The church is his bride. Not me by myself, not you by yourself. When we become a part of the church, then we will be a part of who he's coming back for. So to walk around and think God coming back for me, erroneous teaching. God is coming back for his church. So the question now becomes, okay, if he's coming back for his church and I want to go with him, guess what? I got to become a part of his church. And so many people are living for God on an individual basis. If you become a part of his church, there's no way you're living on an individual basis. There's no way you can do whatever you want. Did you know the kingdom of God is not a place? Did you know the kingdom of God is not a building? Do you know the kingdom of God is not some palace? The kingdom of God is wherever God has rule. Wherever God has rule, that's where the kingdom is. So if he doesn't have rule in your life, then the kingdom is not in you. So it's one thing to say, this and this and this. No, that's cool. But for God, for you to be a part of God's church, God has to have rule over you, which means you're going to have to end up doing some things you don't want to do. But we all, you know, somehow we want to be a part of the church, but we can do whatever we want. You're not a part of the church. Can you imagine the head of the church allowed himself to be crucified, but you do whatever you want and still say I'm a part? Just imagine that. But we don't stop to think about these things, that Jesus Christ, Almighty God, became human because there was no human righteous enough to, to die for the whole entire world. So he had to become a human. So he became a human and not just got shot in the head and died, not just got his head cut off and died, but he went through suffering, beating, the worst way you can ever die, put on a cross and beaten and crucified. He went through the worst kind of death you can ever experience. And all we want to say is, I'm a Christian, and I don't see why that's necessary, and we ain't got to do all of that. Sister Sharon, that's tough. That's tough. I can't, I feel, I feel embarrassed, and I feel like, oh, so bad that we can ever think that it's okay to just do whatever in the church when the man did all of this for us. And we, and we, we, we be giving people credit for doing way less than what God did for us. Yeah, I remember one time I was back in my rent and I couldn't afford it and they let me borrow 500 and didn't ask me back for the 500. So you know what? That's my ride or die. Y'all know that's true. Y'all know that goes on. I need to bail money, and they bail me out. That's my real boy right there. Some of them guys, I ain't messing with them. That's my real boy. When I needed something, when I needed commissary, they took care of me. And you will do anything for them. Come to church. 
Go on, get me started. Help me, Jesus. I'm just trying to get you to understand. I want you to be solid in the word of God. I want you to be solid as, a, as to who you are as a child of God. I want you to have this thing where you're so solid that nothing will shake you, nothing will move you, and nothing the world is doing will cause you to be curious. Too many Christians are compromising and falling by the wayside because they don't know this. And as soon as they, 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 you know, somebody can tell you something that make you feel better, you jump on it. Oh, yeah. But it's all because you didn't study this out. Let's stand. Any more questions? Yes, sir. scriptures you, you, be, you may be able to point out that I'd be able to go back to or that any of us can go back to with fasting so next week I will deal with spiritual disciplines which includes fasting so we'll make that a part of our lesson next week I just wanted to get across to you today that if you are a Christian you must be an apostolic Pentecostal Christian you can't be shy about that. You can't act like, you know, at the same time, I'm saying two things at the same time and two things could be true. You're apostolic Pentecostal, but I don't want you to go around and make anybody feel less than. Because being an apostolic Pentecostal, being a, being a Christian, a true man of God, a true woman of God, means that you have compassion and love for people. And what you're supposed to be feeling tonight as you hear this is that there's so many people that I know that is not understanding this. There's so many people that I know that they feel confident that they're following Christ. But according to what you just taught, preacher, they're not following all the truth. And that's supposed to cause you to get on your knees and say, God, give me an opportunity to be a witness to them. To teach them your truth. That's what we're supposed to be praying. Not get around and say, mm, y'all, I don't know what y'all are doing because there ain't no real Christianity. Please don't do that to people. That's not what this is about. This is about you being firm and unmovable and unshakable in your faith, in the word of God. So you're able to stand strong when the winds come. When the, when, the, when, when the sea raises up and begin to just, just, just begin to overflood you, you won't be moved because you know what you know, and it's truth. It's truth. This is the thing that grows you as Christians. When you know this stuff that I'm talking about, and you will be unshakable. Really, tonight, you know how we're supposed to feel truth? We're supposed to feel like, man, I am really privileged. I am really privileged to know this. There are people with degrees upon degrees. There are people that are teaching in Bible schools. There are people that's been doing this for years. They have gone places to study theology and all this, and they don't know this. And you know it. And you don't even compare to the education they have, and you know this. 
you're supposed to feel privileged and begin to say, God, use me to help somebody. Because how in the world did I stumble upon something like this? You can open the Bible. I feel so privileged that I can open the Bible and know that I'm not following some craziness. Many people are following crazy teachings. And you're asking yourself in your mind, how did you end up believing that? How did you end up following that? But people are doing it. But we know the truth. And we need to be able to pray and ask God to help me convey the truth to my brothers and sisters that don't know all the truth. Help me to reach people that don't know the truth, that they can know the truth. Because only the truth will make us free. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you for speaking to our hearts and for giving us this clear understanding of your word. What it's all about to be a part of the church. What it's all about to be a part of the body of Christ. What it's all about, Lord Jesus, to be apostolic Pentecostal. Lord, it's not just some great words that we're speaking, Lord, but God, it is your truth. It is your word. And we're thankful and privileged that we now understand your word and we can hold to your truth and be unshakable and be unmovable. That, Lord, we can say, yes, I know the truth. Help us, Lord God, to not just be hearers of your word, but help us, Lord, to become doers of your word. Father, help us tonight to grow from this lesson. Help us tonight, Lord God, that you will give us the wisdom we need to be able to teach and to instruct and to build up and to help save the lost and to help save those that don't know the full truth, Lord God. Have your way in us, Lord God. Strengthen this church. Raise up this church, Lord God, to teach this word with parity, with love. Oh God, use this church to do a great work for you. You've entrusted us with your word. You've entrusted us with your truth, this precious truth. Use us, Lord, to convey it, to teach it, to live it, and to be an example of it. Lord, I pray that we will grow from this and continue to, oh God, move forward in spiritual formation. Bless our time together tonight that we will never be the same again. We thank and praise you for all these things we pray and ask in Jesus name somebody thank the Lord right now in Jesus name thank you Jesus God bless you have a wonderful rest of your night if you would like to and you have give something to our building fund yet don't forget this Saturday morning is our prayer breakfast 8 a.m. Right after prayer breakfast, I will be doing some teaching on inreach. We have established an inreach ministry. You, would, you don't want to miss it because you want to be a part of it. And I just got a note that Andre and Jasmine Baby is here. Daisy Faye, 6 pounds, 19 inches. Let's keep them in prayer. And if you have their number, send some congratulations out to them. God bless you.